You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Kami, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to give us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would that we had be content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say, when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Well, Joshua 7 and 8. This is a big chunk of text. Um, and you could you could break it up into six weeks. Uh, we're going to have a crack at doing it very quickly over one. Um, Joshua 7 and 8 finishes with Joshua standing with his people, reading the words of God, the Lord. It gets carved onto stone and it becomes this another monument like the Lord's Supper to remind them of who they are, where they've come from and what that means for their life. That's where it finishes. Now, also within view of God's people are these two piles of stones. The first pile of stones is what we read of This morning, what Leah read for us, it is the pile that has buried within it Achan and his whole family for the disobedience and for his arrogance before the most holy God. Punishment was executed, judgment was executed, and God's people participated in that with him. And it stood as a monument of holiness is required in the camp of God's people. And in Joshua 8, we see that by the end of that time, there is another pile of stones. Beneath that pile of stones is the king of the city of Ai. And this is a Canaanite city. And that is a monument that God is faithful to his promises. And as God's people walk with him in purity and in his presence, they will begin to live out their promises and they will take ground for the kingdom of God. And the world will be changed by the goodness of God as sin is dealt with. Two piles of stones representing sin being dealt with from within and then sin getting dealt with by the people of God throughout. Now, what is the story that led to the first 
pile of stones. Well, you remember last week we were in the book, uh, we were in chapter six, and uh, we had, uh, just as a, 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 as a quick recap, the people had marched around the city. They got to the seventh day, this period of mercy and kindness for God's people to have an opportunity, for, for the people of Jericho to have an opportunity for mercy as they, as they already should know is possible in Rahab. That's how Joshua starts. God accepting people into his family that aren't his people, the least likely, the least deserving. And they didn't. And so the walls came down at the shout of God's people and by the power of God as the ark circled it for seven days. And then as they took that city, Jericho, as they took that city, Jericho, Joshua commanded the people as they're going through, he says to them, he says to them, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the... You take any of the things that make in the camp of Israel for destruction and you'll bring trouble upon it. He says, but all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So we kind of see in this moment, we thought about last week, Joshua 6 is like this new recreation moment, a new seven days of God's people entering into the rest. And just as God created the world in seven days, He gave so much abundance. What God provides is so much more than what He withholds. In the garden, He withheld that fruit, didn't He? He said, just not that one thing. Everything is yours. Have dominion, look after it, care for it, cultivate it. Grow and flourish, just not that thing. And as God's people go into this new fresh start into the city of Jericho, God is just like, yes, but just not those things. Just not the bronze and the silver and the God. Just keep that holy. And I think God does this because he wants to remind them who's God, who's in charge, who gets the spoil of the victory. It's God. He is God. He created all things. And we are his people. We are his servants and we participate with him. And it's a, it's, it's, it models to God our affection and our obedience to go like, right, if that's what you say, that's what we will do because we know that's good for us because you have been good to us. And so there's this wonderful moment for Joshua and the people. They've taken the city. They begin to enjoy all of the good fruits. They've probably got some nice new accommodation that's been left over. Um, you know, they're finding all these wonderful things in the city of Jericho. And so Joshua's just like, well, let's keep going. Let's keep taking the promised land. So in Joshua 7, he now does again what he did before. He sends two spies to the next region to spy out the land, to get on a scout mission. Let's go, boys. We're going to find out what our next step is because we're not going to stop on the border. God has promised promised us the whole land. So God will be with us to take the whole land. So the spies go out and they come back and they say, yo, Joshua, uh, <laughs> the guys of AI, they got nothing. Like AI will be pretty impressive in the future with like chat GPT, but this city called AI, sorry, that's a uh, modern, anyway, I, I didn't know how to work that joke in without sounding like a dad. Anyway, these guys, they're not that impressive. Just send 3,000 men and we'll take them. God's already been able to bring down the walls with a bunch of marching around in circles. Let's go. So Joshua sends 3,000 men to go to fight against this city of Ai. And then what happens? In all of the confidence that they've had, in all of the uh, engagement and, and all of the, the, the excitement of God being with them, walking out the promises of God, God's people in this moment need to retreat running away like scared little, don't say anything that's politically incorrect, the might get you cancelled. 
and 36 of these soldiers die. And so we come in our reading today to this point where Joshua is on his face before the Lord. He's so confused. It's like, what is going on? We just like, we did the Jericho thing. We did the crossing of the Jordan thing. I saw the walls come down. I'm eating the figs and we're like doing what you said we should be doing. But God, like, why did we need a retreat? This doesn't make sense. And what does God say to Joshua? The people of Israel have sinned. You notice that language there. This flies in the face of an individualistic culture, doesn't it? It's not you be you. And if you're not hurting anybody, it's not going to affect anyone else. It's not, well, if two consenting adults can do what they want and they're not hurting anyone, then it's fine. It doesn't hurt anyone. No, not in the eyes of God. The individual sin pollutes and pollutes the entire community. This is the way that God sees his people. So God's people have now been tainted because of the actions, the hidden actions of this. Joshua doesn't know who it is at the moment. Something's gone wrong. Someone hasn't obeyed. Someone has decided to take something upon themselves. So God gives Joshua what to do. And Joshua says, you're going to cast lots, mate. You need to cast some lots. You're going to find out who it is. And it says, you know, later on we read in the Proverbs that uh, God's in control of the casting the lots. What is casting lots? It's like rolling the dice. It's like uh, putting the numbers in the bag and playing a type of divine bingo to make your decisions. And so Joshua does that. He starts with the tribes of Israel. Okay, we've got 12 stones here. Okay, we're going to Judah on this one, Asher on this one, put him in the bag. Okay, uh, he got up early that morning. Uh, people are still like lamenting. It's just like there's still families over here crying because the father has been killed. There's sons that have been killed and they see Joshua's now doing something. He's just been on his face pleading with the Lord, with all the other elders of the community. So something's happening now. There's grief, there's lament, there's confusion. And then Joshua's just like, okay, time. God said, we've got to cast some lots. First one out of the bag. Judah, tribe of Judah. And then it gets narrowed down to the clan. And then it gets narrowed down to the family. And then it gets narrowed down to the man. By chance? Uh-uh. God guiding in his sovereignty and in his providence that sin will be found out. And then Joshua is standing left, standing there before this man, Achan. Achan. And Joshua, in the confidence of the Lord, says, okay, Achan, tell us what you've done. No, he says more than that. You need to get this right. Joshua, verse 19, said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw the spoil, a beautiful cloak from Shinar, oh, nice jacket, yeah, that's worth a fair bit. Shinar, yeah, they're trending. Shinar jacket, get me one of those jackets. 
and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, that's like the equivalent of Bitcoin in their day, grabs the USB stick and the passcode. Then I coveted them, longed for them, desired them, and took them. And they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messages and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in the tent with the silver underneath. Now, what doesn't Achan do in this moment? Does he give glory to God? Does he praise God? Achan's just found out. He's just been found out. He's just like, well, I'll just tell him what I did. But where's the praise? Where's the glory to God in this moment? And what else doesn't he say? Like he, he has a confession. Yes, he's just like, yeah, I did it. But is he remorseful? I don't think so. Is he repentant? Is he asking for grace? Is he longing for mercy? Doesn't look like it. Before Joshua, it seems that there is this arrogant, selfish, I'll have that, thank you very much, type of man that has then made this decision that has corrupted and tainted and led to the death of many within the community of God's people. And because of this one man's actions, it says, the anger of the Lord, the wrath of the Lord burned hot against them. Two things to notice from this. There's a difference between confession and repentance. You can confess your sins. Yeah, God, I'm a sinner. Um, I'm a sinner. Come to church every week and you're right, I'm absolutely a sinner. Does that make you saved? Does that bring you into the family of God? No, it just makes you honest. Repentance, what is Repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, isn't it? Repentance is a, is a, is a, is a sorrow for your sin. Repentance is a, I got nothing. Like I, I shouldn't have done that and I long to change. Achan gives us confession. He doesn't give us repentance. It's, a, it's like Achan is, he's committed adultery and he's cheated on God and the people of God and he stands, he's like, yeah, I did that. How do you feel about Achan right now? No repentance. I imagine that for those of us that are in relationships and we're hurt by the one that we love, if they were like, yeah, I did that, you know, I cheated, versus actually, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Can you find it in your heart for us to have a fresh start? There's none of, we don't get any sense of that from Achan. Now, maybe we're reading between the lines a little bit, but Achan knows what happened is happening already to Rahab, doesn't he? So I don't know if there's any of you this day that you know that there's sin in your life, but have you actually genuinely repented from it? Is it a sin that you've allowed the Holy Spirit to cut you to the heart so that you would actually make a change to face towards the God and plea for mercy and to find that in the personal work of Jesus? Or are you someone that is quite happy living in your sin, just admitting that you're doing it? That's the first thing 
We want to notice with Achan's attitude here. The second thing is, let me talk to the men for a moment. What happens to Achan happens to his entire family. We're a church that's a part of a network of, of churches that has uh, some biblically grounded convictions of male servant leadership. And as we, you, many of you will remember when we commissioned Joash, that is, that is, that is the, what I have committed myself to. That is the one that we will stand and we will take the hit and we'll take the responsibility when things are hard. And we want, we are, God calls men to be the protectors. Achan's being a selfish jerk. Takes his whole family to the grave with him because of his arrogance. Are you a husband? Are you a father? Do you long to be a husband? Do you long to be a father? Are you, do you have a position where God will call you to account on behalf of their lives? That's how I feel about my relationship with my wife, Esther. I feel that I, I feel there's good biblical warrant that when I stand before God on that final day, and when I, I, God will be like, so tell me, Louis, how did you go loving, serving, and laying your life down so that Esther is the woman that she is today? I take responsibility for that. And Achan took no responsibility, did he? What about you men? How are you leading your families? How are you leading and loving your wives? Is your wife the lady she is because of you or in spite of you? How are you seeking to create a safe and respectful home that is looking to and submitting to the leadership of God. Because that's the thing. You're not, you're not numero uno as the man. You are following in the footsteps of Jesus. Achan and his arrogance. It's a, it's a stark, awful picture of just what happens when men shirk their responsibility. Women and children die. Achan had all the opportunity he had. Achan had plenty of opportunity to repent. You think that it would have been when Joshua gets up early in the morning and he's got the lots and he starts pulling names out. You think that maybe when tribe of Judah got lied down to him, he's probably standing back here like, okay, what's going on here? All right, tribe of Judah, come forward. All right, tribe of Judah, come forward. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, clan. Clan. Okay. Oh, that's, that's my clan. Okay. Everyone step back. I'm still here. Okay. All right. Clan. All right. Families. All right, families, okay, if you are the son of, if you are within this family line, you stay forward and everyone can go back. And there Cain's still standing there. He's just like, it's going to be okay. I can take a chance with my sin. I'm going to roll the dice and get, try and get away with it. Uh-uh, Lot goes again. Until finally, the man left standing is Achan. There's a lot that happened. There was a lot of opportunity for Achan to be like, sorry, guys, it was, it was me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
can you forgive me? I know that there's, there's mercy there with Rahab. I'm throwing myself upon the mercy of God. I'm going to throw myself before the God that I know that I've been brought up with that is merciful and gracious, that is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I'm going to throw myself in that spot. Can you forgive me? But he doesn't. He doesn't. And he is dealt with. And he's dealt with. And God's anger is turned away. The biblical word for that is is propitiated, propitiation, the turning away of God's anger. Once the sin of Achan had been dealt with, the people were then able to walk in the promises and in the power of God with his presence. That's the thing. God is a consuming fire and purity is purity. You know, I don't know if you've ever done art before. You get the white, you you get the white, white paint. And then like all of a sudden you've got a little bit of red left on that paintbrush before you dip into the white again. And this is like, ah, now it's pink. Been there before? Maybe those of you that don't paint. Have you ever done the washing? Ever done a white wash? Ever done a white wash? You know, that sneaky little red underpants. Well, in the white wash. And now all of your clothes come out a beautiful, beautiful color of pants left in wash. God doesn't dwell in an impure people. He's like, I can't, can't, can't do that. So it makes him God, who is love, who is holy, who is pure, who is perfect. He can't attach himself to that. It's like a magnet, just repels. He's like, I can't do it. And if you try to come in, you will die. God is a consuming fire. But when the sin is dealt with and the pile of stones lay there and the people are pure again, Joshua then takes the, takes the people on their next on the redo of the first mission, now with the presence of God. And let me tell you, it goes well, goes really well. Take the city, cities devoted to destruction. Now we might feel a bit like nervous about like, oh, it's devoted the city to destruction. I read like there's 12,000 people that died in that city. So it's like, is that, is that really loving from God? Well, uh, just a quick background on the Canaanites. Um, the Canaanites, uh, they participated and celebrated child sacrifice, temple prostitution, divination, idolatry, immorality, sexual sin, human sacrifice, uh, greed and materialism. Uh, they were known for their love of material wealth and possessions, which often led to greed and exploitation of others, pride and arrogance, uh, dishonesty and deception, uh, violence and warfare. Um, pretty much, if you wanted someone that was anti-God, be like, and present Canaanite. The Israelites believed that the practices were an abomination to God and needed to be eradicated from the land. And God's actions show us the Canaanites were a threat to the Israelites' religious and cultural identity. And so God was just like, we can't have any of that here. They've already made their choice. And so it's wipe it clean. Noah's Ark with the sword. And they take the land. And then the king is put under the pile of stones as another monument of God being faithful to his promises. And when God's people have purified themselves, they are able to walk in the power and in the promises of God, knowing that his presence is always with them. Two pile of stones, one clear message. Your sin will lead to death 
and you will not be able to walk with God. <clears throat> so how are we feeling? How are we feeling? This is the bit where I want you to stay with me. Because if you've been listening and if you've been reading and you've been thinking about and internalizing what's going on here, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart right now, you will be thinking, oh no, I am just like Achan. I covet. I have dishonored and disobeyed the most holy God. There's 10 commandments. I was thinking, do we read these out for the kids when we do the Lord's Supper today? Had they memorized them? I'm not sure. I didn't want to put Tash under that pressure. But uh, you can get to a quick summary of the first two. You shall love the Lord your God with all, sorry, with the great commandment. You shall love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do we go in that this week? How pure do you feel to be able to stand before the most holy God right now? Confession and repentance time for me. um, I admit that on my own, I am screwed. Maybe you look on the external appearance, be like, oh yeah, Louis, but you're like quite nice. And you're like, you know, you're energetic and you seem like a little bit of an extrovert. And, you know, you're generally smiling most of the time and it's lovely. You host a prayer night on a Monday, which, you know, heard is great. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of work to do. You know, I just was in Adelaide for a week um, or a few days, church planting conference, bunches of ch- bunch of churches together. And, um, you know, it was many, many encouraging things there. And we're all a bunch of pastors together. And then, I, but, you know, there's still these things that run through my head. You know, you listen to the sermon, you go, oh, I wouldn't put it like that. And then, you know, then, the, then that little thing of, Comparison comes in, like out, 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 black spot, you know. You know, or uh, sat by a sushi train this week, never done sushi train before. That stuff just keeps coming. How good was my self-control on Thursday lunchtime? Not good. In that moment, I was just like, this thing is bringing me glory and joy and I know that God has been like, self-control, Louis. I'm just like, yeah, but just one more, six times. Now, those are little, trite, funny examples. And, you know, I don't want this to be a confession session where you've been like, oh, gee, our pastor's so screwed. I'm going to go to another church. But is the Holy Spirit impressing something on your heart? And this is where, in this moment, If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, we play a Jesus card. Isn't it? Because at this point, if you're the people of God, all you have to live from is a a lot of the fear of the Lord. (laughs) Like, oh man, like Zaycan was a pretty good example to be like, guys, keep keep your noses clean or you get buried under a pile of stones. And there's obviously gratitude there too. Liberation of Exodus, provision of the promised land. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But they're just like, we can't do this in our own strength. What is going on? And we, apart from Jesus, are exactly the same. We can't do this in our own strength. 
what are we got we got to do this 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 but the reality of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ our life in the newness of life that he's given us it isn't do it's as Kirby has so wonderfully reminded us it's it's done Jesus Jesus lived the perfect holy pure life that we couldn't And Jesus went to the cross. Jesus stood before a crowd of people that were also, you know, and he allowed himself to be brutally murdered. Worse than having stones thrown upon you and then burned. Jesus went to the cross, the one who was pure and blameless. And he's just like, yeah, but I I do this and I don't deserve it. But I do this because I love my people and I love you and I love you and I love you. And this is coming to you if I don't take it in your place. And because I live that perfect life, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do, do a trade. We're going to do a trade. So when God looks at you, I want you to be able to stand before him with the confidence that I stand before him. You can have that. You got to do anything for that? Well, just put your trust in me that I can give that to you. Trust that I can do that. Believe that. And um, I know what you're thinking. What is God going to do with all of the stuff that has to be dealt with? I'll let it get dealt with on me. What's it going to cost you? Well, um, well, I am the Lord, the Lord of God, um, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And uh, it's not going to cost you anything. It's a free gift. Uh, love makes you do crazy things. So have my righteousness, have my purity. And now walk in that. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, have the same spirit that was at work within me for me to live that life. Receive that upon your confession and upon your repentance and upon your turning to Him, upon the baptism that you receive. Have the Holy Spirit and then begin the renovation of your life and let God get rid of all of the old junk and then put on the new clothing. Walking in the power and the promises of God and knowing his presence mean we need complete purity and holiness. But the good news of the gospel is it gets given to you by Jesus because of his love. You don't have to earn it. You can't. You'll never, you'll never be able to do anything because once you are polluted, you're polluted. That is why we celebrate the shed blood of Jesus Christ because it cleanses us from all sin. Have you responded to that? Is that good news to you? Do you know the freedom and the joy that you can walk in the newness of life because of what Jesus has done? It's amazing. Every time now that those thoughts that I know that are not honouring of God, that those temptations that come in and then the times that I sin, I'm reminded that, look, I'm not defined by that because I know that I'm defined by the finished work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. There's nothing else for me to do. I'm free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son, 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not be stoned and burned like Achan, but they would have eternal life. Yes. So this week, when you read through this verse again, perhaps you'll join into gospel community. Maybe you'll go home and you'll read through. It's confronting because we see the holiness of God recorded for us in these pages of Scripture. And every time I want, every time you feel this, oh, oh, every time you flinch, at like, oh man, that happened, that ha- that had to happen for purity's sake. Every time that had to happen, think, Jesus had that happen to him, so it wouldn't happen to me. And let the love of God just soak deep into your heart, and. L- And feel the sorry for your sin, but then feel the confidence to to walk in that newness. There's so much to say, so much to work out in this. But if there's anything that you hear today, it's don't leave feeling like you have to fully clean up your act and get yourself right. Start where Achan didn't and give glory to God for what he can do for you. So we're going to do that to now. We're going to do that today. Um, giving glory to God can be expressed in so many different ways. Uh, one way we're going to be doing that together is we can sing. Sing to God, sing to each other. Let those songs become our prayers. Give glory to God. One way that you can do that is that you can even use these next few minutes to pray. I suspect that maybe some of you would be longing to pray a prayer of like, God, I'm sorry. In hearing that, I sense your spirit impressing upon me. There's something that I'm sorrowful for and I ask for your help to overcome that in my life. And I want to do that in your strength and not mine. Maybe it's a time of prayer. Maybe it's a time of you prepare yourself to not only speak to God, but to speak to another. Men, is there a fellow brother in arms that you can speak to and be like, hey, mate, just hoping you could hold me accountable to this. I find this quite hard. Can you pray for me? Because if I know that I don't want to keep this hidden like Achan did and just keep taking chances because we will all be found out. Whatever that is, I invite you to draw near to God in the promise that he will draw near to you. I invite you to lean on the character of God and know that he stands with arms wide open to call you home. And that's beautiful. I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.